Welcome to The Buzz, a bank automation news podcast. I'm Associate Editor Elijah Poindexter. Recently, I spoke with Shaker Purry, VP Digital Components and Platforms at Royal Bank of Canada. We discussed RBC's approach to cybersecurity innovation and investments, and also discussed best practices for smaller banks embarking on a cybersecurity journey. Yeah, absolutely, Elijah. And first of all, thanks again for, uh, for having me uh, uh, talk about this very important topic uh, with you. So, you know, maybe just a step back, uh, you know, as you can imagine, being one of uh, uh, Canada's and, you know, frankly, even North America's leading financial institutions, trust and security are something that are absolutely paramount and foundational to us. Um, you know, cr- clients, as you know, they, they trust us with some of their most sensitive and personal information. And uh, protecting clients and protecting their information is, uh, is mission critical for us. So, you know, one of the trends that we've started to notice um, is that the uh, look that the bad guys, the fraudsters, the the surface area uh, has expanded, um, and they are now starting to move to you know what we used to see more around the physical channels, and they're now starting to move more towards the digital channels. And um, you know, those are those are new threat vectors, and uh, and like I said, a new playground. Uh, for the bad guys to be playing in as more and more clients and more and more transactions are moving to digital channels like online banking and and mobile um, as well. So, uh, you know, from an RBC perspective, uh, we've taken a very deliberate approach uh, to investing very heavily in various different technologies, um, you know, controls and monitoring uh, mechanisms around the digital space. But basically, Elijah, it's to ensure that clients continue to en- continue to be enabled and have access to these various different digital products and services and ways to interact with the bank, but still providing them, uh, you know, top of the food chain, um, security, uh, uh, privacy, and uh, fraud mitigation measures uh, as well. And that's where Elijah, you would have seen. You know some of the uh, the new products and services that we've either released or enhanced uh, over the last little while. Uh, we've, uh, as you may know, uh, released a, a pin on mobile uh, feature uh, very recently. We have uh, two-step uh, authentication, uh, what we call multi-factor authentication, uh, as well. We've uh, also uh, been a leader when it comes to digital identity. So all of these pieces, um, uh, Elijah, speak to what, uh, what you've asked, which is, you know, enabling clients to do more, delivering, you know, world-class digital experiences, but all while making sure that trust and security uh, are paramount um, um, for, for, for uh, underpinning all of these. You know, fraudsters are a lot of things, but I think we can all agree that fraudsters are not stupid, right? They, they, they're extremely, you know, shifty and quick. Uh, to adapt and address any and pretty much all uh, cybersecurity measures that banks, fintechs, and, and 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 the clients and customers themselves, whether commercial or uh, or retail, uh, can kind of put out there, right? And so, obviously, a best practice there is just doing due, due diligence. But from the bank angle, right? Maybe talk about RBC's approach, and then maybe a best practice for other banks when it comes to being nimble, right? And, and sort of addressing the constantly shifting and 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 always quick to find a new chink in the armor, so to speak, of, of fraudsters in the digital age. Well, you, you, you said it really well, Elijah, and I love the way you frame this. Look, the fraudsters are smart, the bad guys are smart, and they're always on the cutting edge. And, uh, and the nimble and agile approach is, is correct. So structurally, what we've done at RBC, which 
may or may not be unique, but it works really well for us, is we partner extremely tight and closely with our global cyber service teams, our fraud teams, our various different digital channel teams, and our lines of businesses. So we come, come at this across multiple teams and how we collaborate and, and really make sure that we are looking at things from not only a perimeter perspective, so what's going on in the macro environment in regards to new threats and ways to detect them as well, but then what we're also doing is shoring up a lot of our core properties, whether that's our front door from a sign-in perspective, uh, and then a lot of the monitoring that happens once you're in our container and once you're transacting as well and looking for some of those anomalies or those behaviors uh, that could be great indicators that this is this is a fraudster or someone uh, that's impersonating our client. So really, Elijah, it's a multi-pronged approach and really leveraging the a full court press across our various different teams to really collaborate and making sure that we're on the cutting edge of detecting new risks and new 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 threats as well. And that's one of the reasons why we've we've continued to be you know, um, uh, first for a lot of these uh, different rollouts of capabilities, whether, you know, e even if it's our card lock uh, feature as well, a lot of the AI capabilities that we've invested in with our fraud monitoring as well. This is, uh, Elijah, uh, an investment in perpetuity. Like, uh, this is millions of dollars every single year that we're putting in and investing in these various different technologies. Some of them are proprietary, and some of them we're going out to the marketplace, and we're looking at the best vendor solutions and the best supplier solutions. So again, full court press on, on what we're bringing into our, to our environment to protect our clients. You know, one of the big uh, you know, talking points in the fintech and digital banking environment, right, is, is build versus buy. And, and it's not even really that interesting of a discussion because the answer is it depends. On the cybersecurity and, and the risk front, it, it's less build versus buy and more partner or program, right? So are you going to partner with, with some somebody in the fintech or the cyber, digital cybersecurity uh, ecosystem, right, for a solution? Or are you going to maybe, again, like you say, proprietary, it's more internal? Your response to that, again, would be probably it depends on the situation for the bank, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely, Elijah. It, it depends on, you know, what the situation is. And, you know, how, how sometimes how scalable solutions are, if there's something that's a very, you know, unique and niche specialization um, that, that's being offered and, you know, how do some of these solutions integrate with our existing stack uh, as well. So when we look at solutions, it's not only, you know, um, looking at them in absolute terms, but also looking at them in relative terms in regards to interacting with our existing uh, platform as well. So I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, this isn't a, you know, a, phil a, a philosophy where, no, 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 we're always going to build or no, we're always going to be uh, looking out and buying, but it's really looking at what's the problem that we're looking to solve and what makes the most amount of sense in regards to bringing out um, uh, the very best version of, a, of, uh, of any particular solution. I mean, Elijah, my team takes a lot of time and part of our role is really uh, scanning the marketplace. Uh, looking at a lot of the the, the innovators in, in the technology space, looking at some of the uh, you know the cutting edge uh, suppliers and, and 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 the fintechs and the innovators and what they're doing in this space, and a good part of our job is meeting um, with uh, with a lot of these uh, technology uh, uh, technology companies as well and assessing um, some of their solutions and 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 working through some of these problems collectively. Uh, Elijah, we uh, we have a lot of uh, 
uh, a lot of strengths and a lot of things that we're proud of, but we also have a lot of humility to know that, look, there could be other companies that could be doing great things, and why wouldn't we collaborate? Be, be crazy for us not to. How often does RBC take, you know, sort of take stock, if you will, uh, the, the sort of cybersecurity and risk capabilities on offer, right? So is it a, is it a biannual, annual, is it monthly, daily, weekly, uh, or is it some combination of those when it comes to sort of analyzing the existing uh, cybersecurity and, and, and risk and trust stack? Uh, what, walk me through what that looks like from RBC's perspective. It's, I, I would say, Elijah, the simple answer is it's an always on. Right, so we are um, um, constantly monitoring the environment. Uh, we're constantly monitoring, you know, for for new threats. We're on the dark web. Uh, we're 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 looking at all of these uh, uh, all of these different uh, uh, occurrences and bringing them in. And we have various different exercises uh, that we go through, and they do have various different uh, frequencies attributed to them. Some of them, like I said, are monitoring. Some of them could be weekly. Some of them could be a little bit less frequent, and they could be broader table, uh, tabletop type uh, risk exercises um, that we conduct as well. But I can tell you that, you know, with the various different roles and responsibilities across the organization, whether it's cybersecurity, whether it's fraud, whether it's digital, we all uh, are, are sharing a collective responsibility to not only independently work, but also bring our collective intelligence to the table and have regular reviews of what we're seeing and, and, and working through, uh, through those uh, uh, various different types of, of situations, Elijah. So sorry, it's a bit of a mixed answer I'm giving you here, but, uh, but it really is an, uh, an always on uh, for us. It's mission critical, um, Elijah, and one of the things that's been ingrained in our DNA is that this is everyone's responsibility. Um, so, it, and, and, and it truly is, but we do have defined, you know, roles uh, and, and, uh, um, um, and mandates associated with them, but collaboration, I, I think, is really the key here. Absolutely, and, and that kind of brings me to my next point, right, is, is... You know what does what role does automation play when it comes to uh, comes to these these trust risks cybersecurity? What what role does automation play uh, from RBC's perspective? Yeah, so th there is automation throughout our various different processes um, um, as well, uh, Elijah. You know we do use a lot of automation and AI in our in our fraud control environment as well. We use it a lot in our monitoring environment as well. Uh, we tend to use a lot of automation when uh, we have known patterns uh, and aligning that automation against known patterns. But to also augment automation, we do have uh, various other mechanisms to detect uh, new patterns, new attack vectors, um, uh, and, and such as well. So it is a little bit of a combination, but we do automate and, and try to index a little bit more on the known threat vectors. Yeah, and, and you know when it comes to automation, obviously there's always a bit of a battle on the bank end. You know what it, what does automation look like? What's under automated? What does over automation look like? Uh, so obviously, would you say in RBC the the human plays an equally important role in these automated environments when it comes to cybersecurity, right? Oh yeah, yeah, uh, uh, absolutely. And and again, it it, uh, it uh, you you have to have that built in, Elijah. You have to have the human factor into it. Uh, you have to have the automation and they have to be working together as well because you know you still need to be checking on these systems to ensure that they are performing the way that they are and you are having a little bit of that independent testing as well to validate uh, some of those results and ensure that you are you know feeding the right types of data elements uh, into that automation process so 
the humans have to work very, very closely with any of these automated processes that we have in place. What are some of the pain points that you encountered, if you could speak about that when it comes to sort of implementing and deploying these, these, these hyper-digital, uh, hyper-automated cybersecurity sort of efforts uh, and integrations? What were some of the pain points there, and how did you kind of overcome those hurdles? Well, look, a lot of times you're, you know, and, and it's particularly, uh, Elijah, maybe where I could take this, uh, this question is more on the, on the novel uh, areas or the new technologies or the new patterns that we introduce. The, the balance that you're always trying to achieve by introducing these patterns is you're balancing client experience and friction with these new patterns as well, right? And, 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 and that's the key piece for us here, and you wanna get that balance right. Look, I can put up such high controls and make fraud zero, but guess what? None of our clients are gonna be able to bank <laughs> anymore, and they're not gonna be able to access their online properties, right? Uh, and their digital properties. Like that's the, the, the one end of the goalpost, or the other end of the goalpost is I make it so easy that, that fraud is getting through uh, uh, very, uh, very, uh, very easily as well. So you have to achieve this right level of balance where you are introducing, you know, the right security and the right friction, but and keeping the bad guys out and making their lives very, very difficult. But at the same time, not so much friction where the clients are getting frustrated with the experience and they're dropping off, and 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 and, and basically, you know, they're they're saying, look, your experience sucks. And, uh, and uh, I don't want to bank with you anymore. I'm just going to go into a branch channel, which completely defeats the purpose. So I think that's the piece, I think, Elijah, that we're always trying to strike the right balance for, right? Um, you know, when do we have to be more overt uh, with our security posture? When can we be a little bit more passive behind the scenes? And when do we need to, you know, introduce the right amount of friction because it just, it absolutely makes sense. Um, so I, I, I think, uh, Elijah, that's, that's, that's the one that keeps us up at night. Let, you know, let's say a bank is, is embarking on a digital journey, and, and it's a bit of a cliched sort of phrase, but uh, it, it still rings true. It's, it's still only been, you know, about two, a little over two years since the COVID-19 pandemic obviously changed the entire landscape of financial services. Let's say a, let's say a, a community bank is embarking on their digital journey. Let's say they get the corporate provider, they get the payments in place, they have the infrastructure in place. Now they come to cybersecurity and trust and risk and AML, all that good stuff. What are some best practices there? Where should they be looking to kind of start with? You know, what should they be keeping a close eye on? How can they best embark on that sort of digital uh, uh, trust and risk and, and the cybersecurity portion? Where should they start? Yeah, well, look, uh, I I would like to, to see a, you know a financial institute, institution that's starting off actually make sure that cyber and security are actually built up uh, a lot higher in the process, right? Like part of this really should be, you know, um, they should be at the table as you're designing your product, as you're designing your experience, as you're designing your flow. Uh, they should not be an afterthought, and that's some of the issues that we sometimes see with uh, with with some of the institutions is they get so busy in designing. Oh, it'll be this onboarding experience, and this will be the product offering, and getting really focused on how clients are clicking through the different screens and what they need to look like, and then they're like, oh yeah, now let's bring in our security folks and make sure things are cinched up. And I think that's where you're already behind. I think what you need to have is you need to have, and this works really well with us, 
is we actually have our fraud and our security partners when we're actually at, at solution architecture and we're designing out what these products and solutions and experiences look like so that way we're not trying to retrofit and, and, and fix things that, that, that are wrong, but we actually have security built right into the design, right into the pattern, right into the flow. And that's been really uh, uh, um, one of our differentiators when we started to really double down on our digital experiences, recognizing that, look, our security teams and our fraud teams need to be there with us on day one when we're designing out these experiences and, uh, and, and ensuring that we get it right, right away. So that's probably, Elijah, one of the things I would highly recommend. The other piece is, look, you, when you break out security, you have to really break it out as, and I mentioned this earlier, Elijah, is you have to look at things on the perimeter, right? What's going on in the macro environment, making sure that you have the right detection and defenses before it even hits our front door. And then when it hits our front door, what are your security and controls on that front door? Making sure that you have the right authentication in place, that you do have that high level of assurance that this is Elijah. He says he's Elijah, he claims he's Elijah, but how do we get that high level of assurance that it is Elijah? And that's one of the reasons why, you know, we, uh, we rolled out multi-factor authentication as well, so that we, there was a higher level of assurance that we know who, who this person is that we're, that we're dealing with. Once they're in your properties, I mean, the, the, the third thing I would say is you've gotta have strong monitoring and controls. So let's, for argument's sake, say, Elijah, the bad guy gets through the perimeter, the bad guy somehow manages to get through the front door. And remember, there's layers of, of authentication and security we're putting in. So it's gonna to have to be a pretty sophisticated attack. Then once they're in, uh, in your properties, you gotta have strong monitoring and controls. You gotta be able to recognize that, look, these are not your typical patterns, you know, whether that's you know, using you know, behavioral biometrics or other different types of uh, um, uh, uh, authenticators. But you got to be able to then recognize the various different patterns um, and um, and uh, 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 monitoring and controls to ensure that you're comfortable with this. And if you're not, how do you put a stop and then alert the client that, hey, is this you, is this not you? And that's, again, Elijah, one of the features that we put out was two-way fraud alerts, is to make sure that if we detect something that might be a little suspicious, that we alert the client and, and ensure that we stop that transaction and we alert that client to say, hey, is this you? Uh, we wanna be sure. And, and that way you can kind of do a little bit of that intervention. So, uh, I mean, Elijah, that's kind of how I would break it down. Look at the perimeter, make sure you have a strong, strong front door and, and your back doors are all covered off. And then once you have uh, someone in the environment, are, uh, what kind of strong monitoring and controls do you have placed uh, in, in that particular environment? That's probably the best advice I'd give. You know, one of the things, Elijah, that we looked at really strongly was the front door uh, more recently and the various different authentication experiences. And one of the things that we're really happy and proud of is our, uh, is our pin on, on mobile device uh, uh, authentication. We, what, what we've done here is we've taken a pattern that Canadians are already used to. Like Canadians are used to, you know, going to merchants and tapping their card and entering their PIN, going to an ATM uh, to, do, to do that as well. So they do that for e-com or taking money out of ATMs. Why are we not using that same pattern that's so well recognized, you have ubiquity for, 
you know, clients know it and using that to authenticate a client. And we thought that was a novel way of introducing a new way of authenticating, high security, but the pattern already exists in the marketplace. Clients already know it, they already trust it. So now what we've done basically, Elijah, is we said to a client, look, you gotta have your client card physically present. You have to be able to, and making sure that that chip on that card, we can read that card so it hasn't been tampered with. You tap it on a device where, where we know you and you're entering a pin. So you think about it, that's layers of, of security and authentication that's built into that simple tap and pin to provide us that high level of assurance that this client is who they say they are. And those are the types of patterns, Elijah, that we're always looking out for. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and going back to, you know, sort of, again, I think you made, it, made it an amazing point, which is, again, for, for a lot of these banks and, and financial institutions to have the cybersecurity partners there, have the cybersecurity team there at the stage of solution architecture. At, RB, at RBC, that apply is that's enterprise wide, right? So that's payments, wealth management, obviously, you know, banking from both commercial retail. From RBC side, when it comes to, you know, driving that solution architecture and having the cybersecurity sort of partners and team there, that's really enterprise wide, you'd say? Yeah, yeah, that's ingrained in our DNA, uh, Elijah. And that's that's something that we're really proud of as well. I mean, these are our, our functional partners. Uh, we see the value that they bring to the table, and uh, it, it really is our secret sauce. It's an ingrained in our DNA is, is how well we partner with them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, wrapping up with the little time we have left, once again, this has been an amazing conversation. Uh, what's next, right? So for RB, on RBC's end, maybe you can walk me through, you know, to, you know, to whatever extent you can, of course. Uh, what's next for RBC when it comes to cybersecurity, uh, risk, uh, anything in this area? You know, what can people expect? Well, look, uh, in absence of you signing an NDA with us, <laughs> I, uh, I'll try to share what I can. But look, one of the things that we're really zeroed in and focused in on, Elijah, and I'm glad you asked that question, is, is around data sharing um, as well and, uh, and moving uh, traffic away. You know, look, let me, let me again step back on this one. We value the fact that clients want to use RBC for their primary banking relationship. But what we also acknowledge is that clients want to, um, uh, uh, they want to use third-party fintech applications, whether that's you know, for money management, whether that's for budgeting, that's for insights as well. They want to use these applications. They really like using these fintech apps as well. But what we want to do is if clients do want to use um, these fintech apps and they want to share their financial banking data with these third parties, Elijah, we want to ensure that clients are able to do it in a safe and a secure manner, in a manner where their, their privacy is also protected as well. And frankly, uh, Elijah, where clients don't need to give up their login uh, credentials, their passwords as well. And that is today traditionally what the methodology has been vis-a-vis -vis screen scraping. What our focus right now is to move the screen scraping traffic away, or, or sorry, to move this traffic away from screen scraping and move it on to an OAuth, OIDC, API-based uh, methodology, where clients no longer need to share their login credentials with third parties, and they have full access and control over which data elements are being shared and what they're being used for. So what we're trying to tackle is trust security and privacy, and that's really our focus. Uh, um, it's, it, it's top of mind for us. And you would have seen, uh, Elijah, you know, us make some real strong momentum over the last couple of weeks 
with us, uh, you know, announcing that we've signed uh, data access agreements with two of the largest data networks in uh, in North America, uh, namely uh, Plaid and uh, and Yodli. And really, what those agreements are saying is we're going to start to move that traffic away uh, from screen scraping to using this uh, consent-based API solution. You've been listening to The Buzz, a bank automation news podcast. Thank you for your time and be sure to visit us at bankautomationnews.com for more automation news. You can also follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Please don't hesitate to rate this podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Thank you.